What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 58 of the Triage Method podcast. I hope you've all survived Storm. What's her name? Is it Storm Hannah? Did that hit Dublin? No, nothing hits Dublin. We just fucking... Storm Hannah hammered Kerry. Who cares cares about (laughs) Kerry, like? Hammered the shit out of beautiful Kerry last night. So when I was on my run this morning, or my yog, as we say, there was shticks everywhere down here in the shticks. But anyway, irrelevant. You're probably going to be listening to this a week after that actually happened. And I am here with Mr. Paddy Farrell, who's from the other side of the country, the less beautiful, less well-cultured part of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Away from Healy Ray. The civilized, anyway, the civilized part of the country. How is, how is all in the uh, quote-unquote civilized part of the country? It's absolutely fantastic, you know? We have a, we actually have flying cars now. I know you you still haven't got the wheel yet. We don't even have yeah, roads. I know, I know, I know. I was jogging uh, in the mountains. Anyway, uh, now life is good here. There was a bit of wind last night, a little a little gust of wind. That, that was about wind. it. Like, um, we might get some rain and whatever the fuck else later on but right now it's actually really sunny out um, and it is only it's only the morning Beautiful. time but anyway life is good exams coming up studying for that but that's not what we're here to talk about what we're here to talk about is what gary we're going to be talking a little bit about dieting and in particular aggressive dieting and i suppose we should probably change the name of that especially after this discussion um, but that might be relatable to some of you who are on the social media fitness nutrition diet sphere you know you're you're on that circle you're aware of the terminology used you hear some of the conversations and for those of you that maybe haven't heard those conversations we're going to be enlightening you on what the common perspectives are today but yeah we're going to be talking about dieting about fat loss about the pursuit of fat loss and in particular um the appropriateness of dieting that bit faster and trying to chase faster fat loss uh, because that's certainly appropriate in some cases and the reason it's it's come up in this week's discussion is because I'm currently kind of doing that myself so over the last four weeks maybe five I've been deliberately trying to lose body fat another week before that I was kind of doing it indirectly but basically I've been dieting a little bit more aggressively than some might normally try and do you know and I've lost six kilos over the last five to six weeks which is you know it's not it's not too aggressive but it's it's relatively aggressive versus some of the more conservative recommendations actually I think it's seven but anyway there you go um so that forms the basis yeah, and it's, it's quite relevant because obviously right now we're we're kind of coming into summertime right so you may have been in a position the last few weeks last few months where you've like been training away you've been doing whatever and you kind of forgot that summer was coming up. You know, I think a lot of people kind of do forget that summer's coming up. Or, you know, they're they're on the internet or whatever, and they go, oh, actually, just got a deal for, I don't know, flights from Ryanair or something. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, book a holiday. And they're like, oh, well, we have time in, I don't know, June or something. So, yeah, boom, right? So you've only got four weeks or something till your holiday. So you're like, oh, it's time to peel off that winter layer. You know, it's time to get absolutely shredded, right? So obviously summer's coming up. People do start thinking more about dieting. Maybe you have been dieting. Maybe you're not where you want to be. So when you hear people talking about a more aggressive approach, you kind of, it gets a little bit enthralling. You're kind of like, hmm, you know, maybe that's for me. Maybe, maybe, yeah, actually, I think, I think a little bit of a more aggressive approach is appropriate. And 
I see this all the time with clients, you know, where we've been dieting for a while and, you know, they're maybe not exactly where they want to be, especially if they're like, we're called, quote unquote, gen pop, you know, general population. And they're like, oh, like, I wouldn't mind losing more. Or I wouldn't mind losing faster. And you're like, that, that is appropriate in some instances, which we'll talk about. However, for the vast majority of people, you're probably better off dieting for a longer period of time with a less aggressive approach. And there's a number of reasons for this, which we will get into towards the, well, in a little while anyway, uh, because there are some pitfalls to having a more aggressive approach, right? So I don't want you to think when we discuss this, that it is all sunshine and rainbows, you know, that it's like, oh yes, just a diet a little bit more aggressively. And like Gary, you can lose seven kilos in whatever, five, six weeks, you know, like that. I don't want you to think that from, from the off, be like, oh, this, this is the secret that I need to, you know, lose the fat that I have before my holiday, whatever the fuck, you know, for 99% of people listening to this, I would say dieting for longer periods of time and less aggressively is the way to go. But anyway, Gary, what, when we talk about aggressive dieting, are we talking about like a diet that fights you that always wants to, you know, square up or like, what are we talking about? Like, give me some sort of working definition. Yeah, there is no, there is no strict cutoff for this, but what I would say is like, once you're getting into the region of losing consistently one to 1.5 percent of your body weight per week discounting discounting of course the first one to two weeks where you know you lose a bit of glycogen yeah yeah. water weight and stuff like that because people like you know people see that and they're like oh this diet has me losing five kilos a week and it's like okay well you were inflamed to bits you you get loads of water you you know load of glycogen topped up stores and you lost five kilos the first week that's not going to be representative of the diet as a whole but yes sorry for interrupting you lord gary (laughs) <laughs> yeah no like like I would look at it in terms of like on an average basis so I would look at a four-week period and say on average what is your rate of fat loss or weight loss been over that four-week period and um, so for example for me over the last let's say four weeks I've probably lost maybe five kilos Um, I'm not sure if that's exact because I don't weigh myself regularly but let's just go with that Um, five kilos which would be 1.25 um, kilos per week and for someone who is I'd say 80 kilos, that's, you know, a relatively aggressive rate because I'm essentially after losing 1.5% of my body weight per week. So that, that to me would be in the aggressive range because those conservative recommendations that we might often make to people are probably in the range of 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week on average. Mm. So when, when someone's getting up towards 1.5%, I'd consider that to be just that little bit more aggressive. So, so that'd be the working definition that we can run of run with for now all right so we're saying you know you're losing we'll just say over one percent body fat per week consistently yeah right that could be that could be all the way up to fucking i don't know 20 percent body fat or well 20 percent weight <laughs> <laughs> uh you know but obviously that's unrealistic but yes anything off, yeah exactly well yeah uh anything over that kind of one percent threshold and now obviously we're not here to go oh it's 1.1 does that mean i'm aggressively yeah, like, dieting just fucking not whatever like you know over that one percent body fat per or one percent weight per week right which again makes it more realistic to you as an individual listening to this because like gary said he's like lost what did you say you lost 
five kilos in four weeks. Yeah, so you're losing about After eighty kilos. You know, you're, you're you're losing about. You know, we'll say we'll just make it easy. One kilo per week. Like I weigh a hundred kilos, so for me that is still only roughly one percent. Yeah. You know, so that wouldn't be an aggressive diet for me. You know, uh, but obviously Gary's lighter because he's so fucking skinny. It's actually it's repugnant. Um, I'm but, a I'm a yogger. Well, <laughs> yeah. So obviously it's it's a bigger jump for him. You know. So again, you have to think relatively. Like this, this, people do this all the time, where they're comparing fat loss yeah. and they're talking to their friend who is, you know, thirty kilos heavier than them. They're like, the friends like, oh yeah, like I lost like half a kilo this week, and you're looking at yourself going like, oh well, I only lost like, you know, a quarter of a kilo this week, and it's like, okay, well, relatively speaking, you know, you, that's what you need to talk about, not the the absolute terminology, you know, or the absolute weight, you know. Um, but yes. Uh, so we have a one percent fat loss, or one. I shouldn't say what. Keep saying fat loss. When I say what fat loss, what I mean is weight loss, because obviously you're going to lose some water weight, you're going to lose some glycogen. You know, you may even lose some lean tissue, right? And this brings us into the discussion of. Well, actually, we won't touch on the lean tissue loss yet, right? What I want to touch on is why, like why, why are you doing this uh, quote unquote extreme dieting and extreme. <laughs> Why would someone do it, you know? And then also, where is it appropriate? Because obviously I've just, well, I just said a minute ago that for 99% of people, this is not the way you should go about things. As alluring as it is, as, you know, tempting as it is, it's not right for most people. However, I want to discuss that, the, the reasons why it's not right later on. What Right now, what I want to discuss is why you're doing it and who you think it is appropriate for. Yeah, so to kind of layer on some context, right? So the way that I approach this is I currently don't track my calories. Um, so I approach this from a more quote-unquote intuitive perspective. And I kind of put that intuitive in quotation marks because I would not refer to what I do as just intuitive eating. Because what you have to consider is I have been aware of what I've been eating for six, seven years, let's say. Okay. So I'm, I'm very aware of what's in my food. If I look at a meal, even if I'm not tracking it, I have some idea of the, of the calories that I'm actually consuming. Okay. So that's kind of step one is that I, I understand nutrition well, and I've also gone through multiple phases of successfully losing body fat. And I know what it feels like and what it's required to get to a certain level of body fat. So, so that's kind of the first thing is there's some degree of education there, both through experience and through like actually, you know, learning more formally. So, so that, that's the first thing is that I, I know how to go about this process. I know what to expect. Um, and someone else might replicate that through, you know, working with a coach who might say, look, it is normal to experience some hunger during this process or whatever. So, so that's the first thing. Um, you need to have some, some, well, you don't need to, but I'm just saying for my case, I, I've got some experience doing this stuff. Um, secondly, I'm quite active, um, which, which definitely makes things easier. So because I'm on placement at the moment, I walk quite a bit. I'm, I, I go to the gym or, or exercise pretty much daily. Um, I do a bit of jujitsu, not as much over the last couple of weeks. Um, I do a little bit of jogging. So, you know, I, I try and keep active, um, and, and that's kind of built in with, my current placement structure and I'm also really really busy so because of being on placement because of doing triage work I end up super busy and all these factors kind of interact to make 
a more aggressive approach to dieting pretty easy because I'm not thinking about food because I have too much to be doing. Um, so it, it just doesn't really bother me. And it's almost, I would say, convenient to not have to eat as much because I'm just that bit busier. So eating less meals is is just pretty convenient. Um, but but that's not that's not an easy thing to, for everyone. And I was just talking about this with um, my girlfriend last week. You know, we were saying how like, you know, different people are just have different levels of tolerance to uncomfortable experiences. So whether that is like, you know, pain, whether it's like t- cold water or hunger or, you know, what stress, whatever it might be, you know, people have different levels of robustness, res- resilience, tolerance to those stressors, like whatever way you want to, you want to talk about it. And that is something that can be learned over time to a degree. And for me, I would consider myself like at this point to be someone that is a little bit more resilient to those types of experiences. Okay. I don't tend to catastrophize about being hungry or about experiencing a bit of pain or being a bit fatigued or being tired. I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Let's kind of get on with it. And and that sounds like, oh, look at me. I'm like, oh, this fucking crazy stoic person. It's like, no, that's just, that's just a thing at this point in time. And you mightn't be there and that's fine. Okay. And we can't just expect everyone to be like that. Because as I was saying to, to Laura, it's like, if, if it was her, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be in that same position. She's not quite as good at, you know, tolerating those experience, uh, those experiences, those sensations and being kind of calm and not catastrophizing about them. You know, some people, when they get hungry, they're like, oh, I need to eat immediately. And it's like a freak out thing and it's kind of on their mind and they can't kind of suppress that thought. So, so, so things are a bit complicated there from, from a, a psychological perspective, I guess you could say. So th- there are some of those attributes that might be helpful for someone that is trying to approach this. So, so there's the context, you know, I've got experience you know, dieting, knowledge of, of what, what, what is required, quite active and psychologically probably a little bit better to tolerate any discomfort that kind of comes with this process. So that's, that's our baseline context. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that psychological aspect is something that people forget about quite a lot, especially when they compare themselves sure. to other people. And it's like, you're forgetting that this person is a fucking, I don't know, ex Marine or something. And like, obviously, obviously they're going to be able to get better results. Right. And I don't mean that in terms of like absolute results. I mean, in terms of the results they achieve over a period of time, purely because you would expect anyway, Uh, obviously this doesn't hold true for everyone, but you would expect that they're better able to tolerate pain or they're better able to tolerate these issues. Now, obviously not always, but you know, if you can push yourself harder in the gym because you're like, I can push through that pain barrier, you know, it might not actually be a good thing all the time, but we'll just say, you know, for, for this discussion, that is a good thing because you're able to push harder, get more volume, whatever the fuck, right? Same with the diet, you know, you're able to push more aggressively and yeah, I'm feeling hunger, but you know, that's, that's, you know, that's weakness leaving my body or whatever the fuck, you know? And so you're able to kind of push yourself through that a little bit more you know and people do forget about that aspect of things and just presume that their experience is the same experience as everyone else you know which is obviously not the case like you can't feel what someone else can feel so while you might say like uh, a 500 calorie deficit is fine it's nothing you know obviously that has to be related to your absolute 
calorie into intake but even if you have the exact same you're with the two of us we'll say we're both on 2500 calories right and our normal maintenance or whatever is 3000 right even though we're both in the same position in terms of the the magnitude of the the calorie deficit the two of us will experience that completely different you know like you might be like I, i'm feeling a little bit hungry but you know i'm able to push through that i it doesn't play on my mind at all it doesn't whatever else and then me for example or like this isn't actually me but just two individuals you know i might be like oh well actually this little bit of hunger is it's kind of making me a little bit lose my temper here it's making me more uh you know anxious it's making me constantly looking for the next meal constantly thinking of that next meal constantly you know you know obsessing over food and it's the two of our experiences are completely different you know even though for all intents and purposes the the on paper the diets look the same you know so you do have to factor that in which we will discuss in a second with the the cons of this right but what I want to discuss now is who, who who is this appropriate for? So obviously you're saying you're doing this, right? You haven't told us why you are doing it, but you also haven't told us who 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 is this appropriate for? Because obviously this would be a mute discussion if we're just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm doing this, but none of you should do this. You know, it, like that obviously that that doesn't yeah. help any. So what's why why are you doing it what's your ultimate goal like obviously you said it's a little bit easier for you to just not eat because you're kind of like oh like I'm, I'm i'm busy got shit to do so kind of forget about it and um, but what's the ultimate goal and then also who else should be doing this yeah so i suppose first things first the 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 actual rationale for dieting is probably less definitely less aesthetically focused than it would have been in the past in that like i don't really look at it from the perspective of like oh i just want to be shredded for summer and get loads of pictures like that's definitely like a component of it because i'm going on holidays twice and you know i want to be lean and that's cool you know but that's not a that's some, not something that you need to do and i think we probably have almost too much of that too much of that expectation where people need to diet for summer like at the end of the day who cares like live your life and, and do the things that you actually care about but for me in general like i want to have periods in the year where I am in a calorie deficit anyway I'm aware where I am working to keep in a leaner physique on average throughout the year um, so kind of putting it at this time point is obviously um, quite convenient from that perspective so so th so there is a health aspect to that as well because I don't think it is a good idea to constantly maintain a calorie surplus indefinitely and um, it's probably not a great idea for health um, especially if you're accumulating excess body fat consistently um but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of my rationale. want to get leaner and I want to do it faster because I just, I'm just not interested enough in dieting and getting lean to do it for a long period of time. Like I'm really enjoying, you know, tr training for performance, you know, having, having the energy to go out, uh, jogging, you know, I want to do a lot of jujitsu training over the summer. I want to keep getting stronger. So for me, I'm just like, all right, I want to do so get some fat loss done, but I want to get it done quickly because I'm just not that interested in losing fat and I care more about performance. So I want to get it done quickly. So that's that's my basic rationale. Um, in terms of who should do it, I think it's actually probably more appropriate for people than I would have said if you had asked me two years ago um, or even a year ago maybe because I think it's almost like the, the common acceptance these days in the fitness industry that, you know, slow dieting is always best 
Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like it's, it's often said that, oh, it's much easier to, you know, keep weight off sustainably if you lose it much slower. And that's not actually like reflected in the evidence. Like sometimes you see that, you know, people lose fat really fast and they're able to keep it off just fine. Um, and it's definitely not something that you see in real life either. You know, some people do lose fat really quickly and they're able to keep it off. So it's, it's not, it's not quite as, as clear cut as slower equals better because from my perspective i like to look at this as like you know just just think it through in terms of what it looks like to diet really slowly so for example if you cut your if i cut my rate of fat loss in half then i would be committing to let's say a time period of 12 weeks to diet and then that that's 12 weeks that i am committing to going through that process and for me i'm like you know what my 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 level of motivation for dieting is not sufficient for me to want to do it for a quarter of the year currently. It's like, it's just, it's just not enough of a goal for me. So for me to be able to get in quicker, knowing that I have the psychological or even psychosocial att attributes to be able to stick to that for a short period of time, that makes it appropriate in that case. And when I say psychosocial attributes, we talked about some of the psychological factors in terms of being able to I guess, appraise hunger with a sense of neutrality, you know, in terms of look, looking at the sensation of hunger and saying, okay, this is fine. It's not a big deal. Um, and I'm going to just kind of, you know, get on with my day. That's not the same for everyone. And that's fine. You know, things like not catastrophizing. So not catastrophizing about that. And, and you know, thinking about, oh, when's my next meal? And oh, no, am I losing muscle? All those sorts of things. Um, that also ties into one's level of experience with tracking their nutrition. Like, for example, if you are currently just starting to track your nutrition, it's a real stressor for you. Even the act of choosing foods is really stressful. Then that, again, adds to the total um, level of stress that comes with this process. So you have to think of those different things that come into, you know, the psychology branch of things um, when approaching it. So, you know, then we move on to the more social um, elements. And this for me is, is, is much easier because I don't really socialize, like, which is sounds stupid. Like, but I mean, there are certain sacrifices <laughs> you have to make it, and all that, and all that sort of beast mode stuff, you know, sacrifice to win. But like, I don't go out with my friends multiple times per week. I don't really, you know, go out for dinner. Well, I do go out for dinner once a week, but you know, I'm, I don't have this massive social life that I need to adhere to. You could say, you know, I don't work in a job where you have to go for lunch meetings and you're expected to have croissants and scones, etc. So socially, given my current placement, given the fact that I spend most of my time on my own, um, I have it, I live in a house where the food environment is very restricted because I just don't buy foods where foods that would be likely to put me quote unquote off track and um, that all contributes to this being an easier process so there's also sort of psychosocial factors you know you could also bring in the fact that my girlfriend understands my goal and is supportive in a sense I guess in that she's not like oh come on you need to come out and get pissed drunk with me like that's what we do you know so th there's an element of that as well so all these things come come together to increase the likelihood that you will be um better suited to you know a more aggressive approach to dieting as we've said and then the final element of that is kind of the more training related stuff so if you are someone who is let's say a GAA athlete moving into the peak season and you're trying to perform at your absolute best 
I would not say that a more aggressive approach to dieting is a good idea for you, okay? If you are dieting more aggressively, you're probably going to have to accept some level of trade-off in performance, but at the same time, I wouldn't be keen on setting that as an expectation because I think the expectation of loss of performance can often have like nocebo effects in people who are dieting, and we see that all the time in our coaching practice where once you kind of remind people that, you know, there's no reason for you to lose a significant amount of strength, you can keep trying to gain strength as normal, and that tends to lead to better outcomes. So yeah, if, if performance is a primary goal at this point in time, I also wouldn't be going with that approach. So to kind of wrap that up into a, a, a cleaner package, the type of person that is going to do well here is someone that you know, has some experience with nutrition, I would say. I don't think that's a necessity, but I think it's definitely a bonus. Um, the person is... I guess you could say a little bit more stoic in that they're they're not quite as they don't respond as negatively and catastrophize when in relation to hunger and things like that. They don't they're not very attached to food for pleasure at this point in time. Um, no history of disordered eating that'd be a bonus as well. Um, and then you're you're not training or you're you're training for performance, but it's not something you need at this point in time and then you have good social support all that sort of stuff as well so i think that's a a good um what would you say avatar of the, of the person that would be good for this mm. which 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 makes a lot of sense right but as i said earlier on 99 of people <laughs> don't fall into this right and the reasons are multifactorial right but for the most people the reason the main reason i don't advocate more aggressive dieting is because I suppose you would call it nutritional discipline, but most people lack nutritional discipline, right? So you should not even consider aggressive dieting if you don't have the basics ticked, right? If you don't have those boxes ticked, like if you've never stuck to a diet for 12 weeks, even if it's, I mean, like, even if it's just maintenance, you know, literally staying at the same calories that just keep your body weight the exact same. Like if you're not able to do that for a longer period of time, you don't have the habits in place that are required for that. You don't have like the, again, like you mentioned, the, the social support structure that allows you to do that. You don't have the, all the lifestyle things that allow you to do that you are not going to have a good experience with aggressive dieting, right? Reason being, you are going to effectively give yourself disordered eating, right? <laughs> because if you, if you think about it, you will just take you as an avatar here. You've got this person that they've never really dieted before. They listen to this podcast. They go, hmm, aggressive dieting is for me, right? And they think I have a relatively healthy diet. But what they try to do now is, drop their calories by say a thousand calories, right? They're like, boom, I want to get in and out of this fat loss. Like Gary said, you know, I want to get back to, you know, performance and whatever else, right? I'm going to just do six weeks, really aggressive diet, right? If you don't have the, the, the basics, the foundational stuff, which is what you're calling experience, essentially, yeah. you know, if you don't have that stuff or you don't have someone to guide you through that stuff, <laughs> what's realistically going to happen is, you're going to start experiencing hunger. You're going to feel, you know, a little bit of tiredness maybe throughout the day and not know that that's fine. It happens, you know, there's there's ways to mitigate that. You're going to find, you know, sleep is impacted. You're going to find all these little things and you're going to go, what the fuck is happening? Okay. But maybe you're like, okay, no, actually, you know, 
that stuff, I, I have this, you know, warrior attitude. I can fucking grind through that. It's fine. It's fine. Right. But what happens then at the end of the diet is, especially if you haven't got all these other boxes ticked, you, you don't know where to go. You have no habits in place. You have no quote unquote good diet structure. You know, all you know is eat very little, lose fat, right? That, that's all you know. Okay. So you then transition out of that and you go, I don't know how to eat quote unquote normally. All I know how to do is eat little calories and lose fat. Right? So your entire nutritional knowledge is restricted to just eat little calories, lose fat. Right. So you go back and you go, okay, I have no restrictions on my diet. I just, I'm just going to eat normally like I used to. Right. But because you've now built up this accumulation of fatigue, this accumulation of hunger and all that, you, you've been restricted for so long, even if it's only six weeks or whatever, you're like, okay, no, now it's time to binge. Right. And you, you mentioned earlier on, like having no history of, you know, an eating disorder would be good. But I would even say having no history of disordered eating would be good. Right. And what I mean, there is a key distinction between that. And what I mean by that is like an eating disorder is like, you know, an actual eating disorder. Like it's a, it's a clinical thing, right? But disordered eating is, as the name suggests, disordered eating, right? And you've experienced this before, Gary. So this, you, you may even look at it and go, okay, well, maybe Gary actually should be ruled out of this population, right? But that was, that's actually the, the, the key case study that I'm talking about here because you you did it before where you know you had a holiday coming up when you were what 16 17 18 something yeah like that. whatever age it was I think it was maybe 18 or 19 <clears throat> but yeah like I right so, so, so you were you were 19 or whatever and then you dieted you said you did it rather aggressively even if it was you know probably smart or semi-smartly done definitely you know? wasn't. and then you <laughs> <laughs> but then you got on holiday and you just let loose because you were so restricted. You just literally ate everything, right? So that that is the, the case study, what I'm saying. It's like you, you diet, you restrict yourself loads, and you're like, yeah, I'm losing fat. I can fucking grind through this. And then as soon as that predestined, predetermined uh, time period is up, then you've no no plan of action. So speak to that for a second there, Gary. Yeah, like that is that is a good point. And I think we brought it up in the podcast before. Like in the in the like in the past, like my, my quote unquote relationship with food and nutritional d discipline, if you will, um, was just not as good. You know, I didn't have these skills and that's why I bring up that point of experience as being really useful. So, you know, when I was younger, when I was, you know, dieting for a holiday, essentially, you know, got, got to the point where I was really lean, but basically the, in, in my head at that point in time, that was like, all I cared about it was like oh yeah I just want to go to the gym I want to get lean and it was all I was thinking about all the time throughout that process and that's kind of why I mentioned those things about ruminating on hunger thinking about when your next meal is like hyper focused on the process of it so that that was kind of me throughout that process and then all I was thinking about was oh yeah I'm just getting lean for this holiday that's it I'm gonna go on holidays that's gonna be it um then going on holidays and just kind of you know binging just eating unnecessarily beyond the point of fullness and just for excessive pleasure in response to previous restriction um, and that was at a point in time where I was probably more focused on you know that kind of clean eating bro style if you will um, of dieting you know so where, where you're focusing on specific foods and you're restricting your favorite foods um, over time so that was kind of me and then when I kind of came back from that and I had that extra weight gain I was essentially in this position where I had already invested 
lots of time into the dieting process and I hadn't anticipated, you know, having to do that again, because for me, that was the investment of time I was willing to commit to. And then after that, I had gained all this weight. So I was in a position where, oh, no, do I like diet this? Do I try and diet again? Am I going to have to invest the same period of time again? And psychologically, I wasn't prepared for that. So, you know, that that for me took a period of time to kind of overcome because I had gone from being, you know, pretty lean to gaining a lot of weight in a short period of time. And then being dissatisfied, essentially, with my physique and being unsure of where to go. And for me, at that at that point, like aggressive dieting just wouldn't have worked, you know, because I essentially had to get back to a point where, all right, can I eat at maintenance and kind of, I guess, accept the fact that I've gained this weight and that's okay. You know, so that for me was that was what I had to do at that point. And I was much younger, less emotionally mature, lower level of knowledge related to this stuff, less nutritional experience. And that's kind of why I have an appreciation for why it can be definitely difficult for people to get out of that sort of that rut that you kind of get into. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's a good kind of case example, I guess. So, and obviously like years later, I'm now able to, you know, diet aggressively without even tracking calories. And that to me is, is, is a really important point that I don't think is emphasized enough in the fitness industry is the fact that time is really important like whether it's training or nutrition or anything or knowledge coaching like time is one of those things that you just can't cheat you know you can try and do all that you can to get to get lean to get big to get smart in a short period of time but ultimately there's only so much you can do and you have to just look at the people that you look up to like i was talking to a guy on instagram about this yesterday about how most of the guys he's looking up to have been going to the gym for five to ten years if not more you know, some of the guys you look up to now are doing it for 15 to 20 years. Um, and he was disappointed because he hadn't make, made much progress in six months. And this is something that is really difficult to understand that your idols have been doing this for a decade or more. And like, you, you just can't cheat that. And there's a degree of trying to re like change your expectations to some degree. But at the same point, that could also change your investment in the process because you mightn't think it's as as valuable if you don't think you're going to turn into Kai Green in six weeks, you know, because um, we all start off like that. And I think it's important for people like me, Paddy, you know, other people that are that are putting out information to acknowledge that we were once 17 or 18 and thought that we were going to be, you know, monsters and shredded all the time and in like six weeks too. So if you are that younger guy that listens to our podcast or younger girl, um, that's normal. And if you feel like you don't have everything together at this point in time, that's okay. And you probably won't. And sometimes you just have to give it years and, and that's fine too. So, so there you go. That's a, a nice little case example, I guess. Yeah. So as we were saying for some people, again, the vast majority of people, it's just an inappropriate way to diet because they don't have what you're calling experience. They don't have that nutritional knowledge of this is a normal, a quote unquote, normal diet. This is how I eat to keep my body fat levels in check, you know, in a, in, in a quote unquote healthy range or whatever the fuck it is for you as an individual, given your goals. And, you know, this is how this, this, you, you have a baseline set because that's what you have now. You, you, you have gone through that period of time where, you know, you, you were obsessed with like that clean eating. You're like, I have to diet really aggressively. And then again, you, you came out of that and you go, okay, well now I'm, I'm, I'm fat again. So do I have to diet again? You know, and this again builds into, you build, you know, strong nutritional habits then from that, you know, you go, okay, so how do I actually do this the, the right way? Right. And again, you build on that, you build on that, and then you become proficient 
at eating well. You become proficient at knowing how to eat. Like you're saying, like you can just look at a meal and you can go, okay, yeah, this is roughly 600 calories. There's there's a protein source that the size of that chicken breast is, is only 100 grams. So it's probably only, you know, 20 to 30 grams of protein, whatever the fuck. You know, you're, you're able to eyeball a meal and go, that's how it fits into my overall nutrition, nutritional intake, right? So you already have all these habits in place. They're so ingrained in you. You've done it so much that it's second nature. It's very, very easy. That's not most people right you know most people are like looking at a meal and you're like tell me how many calories in that no idea right tell me where the source of protein is no idea how much fiber in that no idea you know they they they, they're they're not aware of what they're eating right so they don't have that nutritional knowledge there but you know maybe you don't even need that you just want to go for that quote-unquote more intuitive whatever feel to to the diet and you're like you still don't know portion size, portion control. You still don't know how that fits into your overall day. You're not, you're unsure of, again, protein source, carbohydrate source, fat source. You, you, you don't know these things, right? And that's the vast majority of people. Even though obviously the, the people listening to this are a bit of, uh, we have a bit of a selection bias in terms of, you're probably already into your health and fitness. So you're probably listening back on like, nah, like I know all that stuff. That's fucking grand, that's easy, right? But like realistically, you can test yourself in two ways here. Right, and you can test yourself whether aggressive dieting may be appropriate for you, or may be completely inappropriate for you. And the way I would say this is: first of all, if you feel that you do have a good nutritional understanding, you should be able to look at a meal and go, "Okay, this has roughly X amount of calories. This has roughly X amount of protein, fats, carbs." Right, and then input that into your My Fitness Pal or whatever app you use, and see how close you are to it. Right a good way to just kind of test yourself see how good you are at eyeballing food right but also with this more aggressive dieting if you feel you have all of the the things locked down the the nutritional discipline stuff or whatever fuck you want to call it locked down a good way to test this is to do a bit of intermittent fasting right so if you normally have your breakfast you normally have your lunch or whatever see if you can just skip those two meals right and see how your body responds to that hunger and how you mentally respond to that hunger. Because the amount of people, you would be surprised uh, that they just lose all sense in terms of they, they, they experience yeah. that, that bit of hunger. They normally have their, I don't know, their, their oats in the morning and they experience that little bit of hunger because they, they skipped them and they're like, oh no, man, I'm in work now. And, you know, actually, yeah, I'm real cranky. I'm fucking short tempered, you know. So if that's you and you experience that from just, you know, skipping a meal, then you definitely are not in a good position to be more aggressive with your dieting because you're going to, you're going to feel hunger. You're going to feel a little bit lower energy. So it, it's definitely not for you. If you skip one meal and you lose all sense of reality and you're like, oh, give me the food there. Let's go down to McDonald's on my break, <laughs> you know? So you, you should bear that in mind that you need to be in a good position. You need to have good habits in place. And stuff we've talked about before, you know, you need, you need to have all the basics, that all those boxes ticked, right? And then maybe a more aggressive approach is good for you or would be appropriate for you. However, even still, most people for their goals don't need to diet aggressively, right? Because if you've ticked all those boxes, you probably aren't letting yourself get way out of 
uh, a quote unquote normal body fat range. You know, you're, you're not going like 20 kilos over, like you've not added 20 kilos of body fat because you have all those boxes ticked, right? So you might have, you know, we'll say five, six, 10 kilos maybe of fat to lose, right? And realistically, you probably don't need an aggressive diet to lose that. You know, maybe you're like, okay, actually, I wouldn't mind losing, you know, five kilos over four weeks because I have something coming up. But you already have all those boxes ticked. So it's like that, that for you as an individual like you, Gary, that's very easy to do because you have all the other boxes ticked. You're not letting yourself get hugely out of range. Yeah. But if you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, I have all those boxes ticked, but you're, you're 20 kilos over your... Your, your goal weight, you probably don't have those boxes actually ticked as well as you think you do, you know? Um, so you, yeah. you, you have to put the, the entire context of not only the diet into this, but also the individual. Because if you are that person that you think you have all of the boxes ticked, and you're like, yeah, I have those basics. I'm able to do that. I could actually, you know, I can intermittent fast and I don't feel the hunger. I can grind through it. It's easy, you know, and, you know, I, I can look at meals and I can go, yeah, that's roughly where my calories are at. You know, you have all these boxes in your head. But if you're 10, 20 kilos over your your body weight goal, then you pro- you probably don't have the, the boxes ticked like you think you do. Now, that's not to say that's the case for everyone. Like you may be more... We'll say aggressively bulking you know you're like that's that's my goal i have a i'm a power lifter or something and you know i needed to i don't know fucking jump up three weight classes <laughs> i don't fucking know maybe your goal did involve you gaining more body fat than you normally would have liked and now your goals are shifting right that can happen but even in that in that instance i would say that a, a, a slower approach to it would be more appropriate you know so in in my mind very few people need, or rather, very few people, aggressive dieting is inappropriate for the vast majority of people, even though those people would be able to handle it, you know, I just don't see the need for it. Now, there's definitely, I've, I've done it with clients as well before, you know, it's like four weeks or something where it's like, yeah, we just want to tidy things up and then get back into a gaming phase or whatever the fuck we're doing. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like maybe they have a holiday. Like we, we have a, a gaming phase planned for two years, you know, because again, like you're saying, like the, the reality of it is that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be spending a long time at this stuff, you know? So we have like a, a two year gaming phase planned it, but they're like, we're keeping body fat levels relatively in check. And, you know, the, the only thing is that we want to, you know, lose a bit of fat maybe for a, a holiday or something, you know, it's like, okay, we don't want to just like spend 12, 20 weeks dieting down for this. We have all the, the, the basics, the boxes ticked and we have this two year plan. And what we want to do is just, you know, maybe lose about two to 3% body fat over a four week period, just so we're, we're tightened up. We're, we, ha- we haven't got out of shape in this gaining phase because I, I don't think you need to, to gain, you know, muscle. And so we haven't gotten out of shape, but we want to, you know, tighten things up, tidy things up, you know, four week, you know, more aggressive dieting period, then I think that's, that's perfectly fine. Right. But if you're going into that and you're like, oh yeah, I have this two year plan and I'm actually 20 kilos, I have 20 kilos of excess body fat and I need to tighten up for this holiday that I have planned in four weeks. Like 
that's probably inappropriate. Like, yeah, like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you can definitely lose a few kilos and be a little bit tighter for your holiday. That that's fine. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you you can't do that. But what I'm saying is, it's probably not. Like, you shouldn't have got 20 kilos overweight to begin with. You know, that would, to me anyway, suggest that we're not in a good place to be in a more aggressive uh, dieting period. Also, you're probably not in a good place to gain muscle over those two years if you're 20 kilos of body fat overweight, you know? Um, But yeah, so in my mind, it's not appropriate for the vast majority of people. However, for some people, it can definitely work. You know, it can definitely be a very easy way <clears throat> to get where they want to get without having to, you know, spend or invest that time period. Like you're saying, like you don't want to just spend 12 weeks out of your overall year just dieting for a holiday or something. You know, you just want to be in, out, done, you know, tighten up a little bit. You maybe only have like, like I presume you're not trying to lose another like five kilos. You're only trying to lose maybe another one to two kilos, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like that, that kind of brings me to another point that I wanted to bring up that I don't think I've ever seen formalized properly, but I think it's an important one. But like basically, you know, you're saying you're probably not going to lose five more kilos. And yeah, yeah, like that's pretty much it. Like at this point. Like, I don't really care where I end up. Like, I'm at that point where I'm like, like, I'm lean enough that I'm kind of happy that I've achieved what I wanted to achieve already. So any other fat that I lose now, I'm kind of like, all right, cool. It happened, but it's fine if it doesn't happen, you know? Um, but but that brings me to a really important point that, that's been on my mind now for, for quite a while is the fact that the less I focus on body composition, the better I tend to do. Um, and, and I've seen that, like seen this with a, with a lot of clients as well. And it, it sort of ties in with a lot of what we've discussed about pain as well, in that like the focus of my lifestyle behaviors is not actually on like, oh, this is contributing to fat loss. This is for fat loss. This is for fat loss. Like I don't look at foods and think, oh, this is for fat loss. And I don't, you know, take like as many like physique updates daily as I would have in the past and what like what other things will come into that I don't when I exercise like all my exercise even just like basic getting in steps per day it's not thought of in terms of fat loss um, and and all of my training is dedicated towards an actual like the process of either getting stronger or getting fitter or whatever as opposed to actually fat loss and for me that has been huge because in the past, and you see this a lot with, with people on social media, especially, you know, you kind of start to identify with the process of fat loss. You start to think about all behaviors contributing or taking away from fat loss. And it's essentially always on your mind. So you start to, you start to develop this just psychological association of all the things in your life are either contributing to or taking away from the fat loss process and that to me can be detrimental and you can kind of think of that in terms of like what we discussed about pain you know especially if you think back to the the podcast with dr mary o'keefe like when we're thinking about exercise we're not just thinking about like exercise's effect on pain and if someone is in pain we're not going to say, we're not going to keep asking them, how's your pain? How's your pain? How's your pain? How's your pain? And think about trying to avoid pain all the time. And, you know, looking at pain as being a really harmful thing like that to me, it has draws some, some nice parallels to the kind of fat loss thing. So looking at your life, looking at your health behaviors and viewing them as being for health, as opposed to just for fat loss is really important. And I say health, but also performance. 
um, as opposed to just fat loss. I, I think that's key. Um, I, we would need to formalize that a bit more. But would you agree with that, Paddy? Do you think that's something that you have either observed or you can see rationale for? Yeah, like what I what I think it's more so rather than like because you can st- I think you can still focus on the body composition stuff. Oh, for sure, and, yeah. not, and not be what you know fall into that kind of category that you're saying. What I think it is more so related to is people realize that this stuff is impactful for their health and realize that this stuff is impactful for their performance, right? And they focus on those two metrics more so than the body composition metric, right? And as a result, they do all, they tick all the boxes that would give them good body composition without having to focus on ticking those boxes, which just takes the stress out of taking those boxes. Like, oh, I didn't get my steps in, you know? It's like, no, that's, it's yeah. not even a thing. You're just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just generally active. Excuse me. I know how to stay active, keep my niche high. You know, you're just doing that from a general perspective of this is for my health. Like it's just my baseline. I'm not even like, I'm not focusing on it. It's just, it's just what I do to be a human, you know? And it's like, as a result, you're not constantly, Oh, I need to uh, go out for a walk here. I need to do this. I need to whatever. You know, you're you're not, you're not constantly focusing Mm -hmm. on that. You're just kind of like, Oh yeah, like just in my day to day life, because of the habits I have instilled, because of the the goals I have, all the boxes are being ticked. So I don't really need to waste all this mental energy thinking about body composition, thinking about that. It's just it's just what happens, right? And you see this as well, like you said, like you see like performance athletes and stuff. They're kind of like, oh yeah, my body composition just falls into place. It's not something that I, I think of, you know. And this could even be like powerlifters even in like you know the absolute weight classes uh or the absolute weight class you know they're like oh my body composition just falls where it falls to allow me to perform and like for most people that's usually in a good place like obviously for some things like you're eddie hall and you want to fucking i don't know deadlift 600 kilos you're probably going to have to get out of uh out of shape to do that you know um so yeah, like I, I agree with you. Like it, the less you focus on it, and the more you focus on improving your performance and improving your health, the easier it is to get good body composition. Yeah, and but that kind of that kind of comes back to stuff that me and you talk about, like on the podcast and in private in general. In that, like, there should be a like there should be a certain amount of behaviors that you engage in just to be a good, healthy human. Like regardless of what you want to look like, like it's not about what you want to look like as in like chasing things like being able to run, you know, you want to be able to run. You want to be able to, as you say, traverse the world with, uh, with as much ease as possible. You know, you want to be able to overcome those physical challenges. You want to be strong. You want to be useful. Um, in the case of doing something like jujitsu or boxing or whatever, it's like, you want to be able to fight. You want to be able to protect yourself. You want to be able to protect your girlfriend. It's like all these, like, and I, I'm, I'm shit at fighting just by the way, not to, just in case anyone's like, oh, this guy thinks he's like the Chad. People are <laughs> swearing up to you uh, in the streets now. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like I want to fight. Let's have a knock. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, and, and like that to me, they're, they're all the things that go into like being a good fucking solid human like and that like that and that's the same like it's not just that stuff it's also like reading and want and having good relationships and you know being nice to your parents and to your neighbors and all that stuff you know all those things interact to just 
make you a good, healthy human. And if you can get as many of those things together, all of these peripheral goals, like whether it's your goal of deadlifting a specific number or whether it's your goal of running a specific distance, having a certain level of body composition, they just kind of fall together. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we don't focus too much um, with our clients on like really emphasizing the tracking of specific like biomarkers of health, let's say, you know, like I've done it a bit more in the past than I would now, but you know, things like tracking blood glucose, things like tracking heart rate variability, um, all these different things, monitoring all them all the time. The way we look at it, we have cer- a certain amount of behaviors that we want our clients and us as individuals to engage in. And we can almost assume that if we're getting all those things in check, we would have no reason to believe that anything would be out of whack. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't get regular health checkups. It just means that like, you shouldn't just view as interventions as being specific to one isolated thing whether that's fat loss or blood glucose or HbA1c or whatever. It's like you, you should view these as, as components of being a good human. And if you can get as many of those together, like you're just going to have a better life. Like, you know, that, and I, I think you'd agree with that. 100%. And again, like it, that's not to say you throw the baby out with the bathwater, like you're saying, like, <clears throat> like you still you still have these as tools in your toolbox, you know. But it, it's mad because you see people talk about like, oh, I wouldn't want to be tracking calories for the rest of my life, Right they're engaging in other habits that it's like okay well do you want to do this for the rest of your life they're like oh i have to wear my blue light blocking glasses i have to you know uh track my blood glucose i have to track my hrv and it's like all of these things are the exact same as tracking your calories in terms of that they're all just tools they're all just like whatever you know and it's like you're you're saying you don't want to track calories because it's unnatural or it's just unhealthful or whatever the fuck and it's like you're also doing all these other things that you have to keep on top of. It's like, well, I, I don't understand. Where is this dichotomy in your head? Like, how, how is that there? You're like, you, you don't want to track calories because whatever. And then you want to do all these other things, like track your resting heart rate, track your steps, track your whatever else. It's like, why is there a difference? They're all just tools. Like, if I had someone that is like overly stressed or overly fucking, or has uh, some sort of uh, manifestation of, you know, maybe you know, uh, pre-diabetes. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're a population that's at risk. You know, maybe I might be tracking blood glucose with you. I'd be like, all right, let's see. Let's actually see how our interventions are affecting that. You know, are we in the right place with things, you know? So they're all just tools. Same with HRV. It's like, okay, you know, maybe you are an athlete. Maybe you are a stressed individual. Like, let's see how these things are affecting that, you know? But that doesn't mean that we have to do that for everyone. And like we said in the last one, the over-medicalization of this stuff, you know, it's like, people just start to assuming that it's like, oh, well, we should have to do all these other things. We have to do all this. You, you must be tracking your HRV. You must be wearing blue light blocking glasses. You must be taking these supplements. You must be doing this. And it's like, they're all just tools. All of it was just tools. <clears throat> like people were getting in shape before they even invented supplements. You know, like you, you, you think these Greek statues were just made up, you know, it's like, no, they were modeled after people. Like maybe, yeah, they were, you know, uh, hy- hyperbolic in terms of they're like oh well let's make the, his delts a little bit juicier <laughs> you know but it's still you you have to see that to know how those muscles look so that would you know make you think that they were looking at individuals that looked like that you know um, and you also see this in, in individuals that you probably know that are like they don't do much but they're in good shape because they're just ticking the boxes to be a healthful human you know maybe they do a little bit of jogging maybe they occasionally go to the gym Maybe they do some push-ups at home, whatever the fuck it is. You know, they're just they're just ticking boxes, and 
it just kind of falls into place, you know? And that's not to say that, you know, you as an individual shouldn't be doing all these other things that need to be done for you as an individual to get where you want to go. You know, maybe you do need to be excessively anal about your calories. You just, you, you need to for your goals, you know? Maybe you need to be uh, excessively anal about your sleep habits because, you know, otherwise you let them completely degenerate. You know, so that at a certain time, these things might be perfectly appropriate for you, but it doesn't mean that they're always going to be that way or that you need, everybody needs to be doing these things, you know? And to bring it back to the, the, the aggressive fat loss, this is what I'm saying with it. Like if you are in this position where you are literally like, I don't know what to focus on. I'm focusing on everything. I don't have these clearly defined habits that I know lead to my success. Aggressive dieting is not for you you know maybe again it's a tool in the toolbox maybe you are able to go i actually just have you know you know three four five kilos that i want to lose over the next four weeks because like as a male will say you just like oh you know i have a holiday coming up and i wouldn't mind just being in a little bit tighter shape for that cool right but that's you have to come to that from the right place you've already been ticking all the boxes you've already been putting in the the work in all the places that it needs to be put in. You're already doing all that stuff, you know? And then it's like, okay, actually, I wouldn't mind just tidying things up a little bit over the next four weeks. I think that's perfectly fine. And then the thing I want to touch on, and you did touch on earlier on as well, is this this expectation of performance loss in, in uh, yes. a diet in general, but more so in an extreme diet. Because people, and, and the lean body mass loss, right? Because people assume that if you go into an extreme diet, so say, for example, you have all the boxes ticked, you, you, you normally have a good diet. We'll take you as an example, right? So you, you, you have all the boxes ticked, you, you know how to diet, you know how to eat healthfully, you know all that stuff, right? You're pretty disciplined in your approach to it. You know, you have a good balance of, you know, occasionally you might deviate from the overall diet that you're on, but it's in the context of, an actual plan of action and what i mean by that is you know maybe you do go out and eat out or maybe you do have like you you put on your story the other day uh, a chocolate egg or something you know it's like maybe you do this kind of stuff and you might look at that and go oh that's that's not healthy they're not good foods whatever the fuck but in the overall context of your diet your diet is good right you have all the boxes ticked if you go into an aggressive diet you know we'll say you just cut your calories by a thousand you're in a deficit of a thousand calories right are your muscles going to fall off and is your performance your strength your fitness etc just going to tank like talk to that yeah like firstly no not necessarily and secondly even if there is a small element of it just think in your head no because it's going to lead to better outcomes but um but yeah, no, in, in general, I would never set that expectation for someone. And I personally would not expect to see significant drop offs in performance because like, firstly, like weight training is like not as hardcore as people think it is. Like people think that they go to the gym and they burn like a thousand, fifteen hundred calories or something, you know, that that they are using all these crazy amounts of carbohydrates and you need refeeds and big, massive pre-workout meals. It's like you're burning a couple of hundred calories. Like it's not that energy intensive. So when you're thinking about, you know, the reduction in your energy intake, you have to realize that 
the body fat on your body is being used for energy. So you still have energy to go about your day and to be able to engage in strength training or whatever it is that you do. So I would generally expect that people would maintain their performance in the gym, if not continue improving it. Like I've hit multiple like PRs in the last couple of weeks that I was kind of surprised with, but you know, pretty happy to, to have hit them. Um, despite the fact that I was in a very aggressive deficit. So that's why you, you shouldn't just set that kind of expectation because I guess when we're talking about like actual muscle building or muscle loss, we're not just, it's not just a case of looking at it in, in the grand scheme of things in terms of energy balance. Like what you're actually looking at is more so protein balance in terms of like the the balance or imbalance of anabolic and catabolic stimuli. So your, your muscles building up versus your muscles breaking down. So if you, you kind of have to look into the different contributors to each of those processes. And the main thing that seems to sort of be affected when, when we're, when we're in a, a, an energy deficit is that we don't have, you know, as much, we don't get a, as potent a response, as potent an anabolic response um, in response to protein feeding or resistance training. But those two things, are the potent contributors to you maintaining or gaining muscle and hence ensuring that you're keeping a good a good level of protein intake which probably should be slightly higher when you're dieting um, and also that you're keeping up your resistance training i wouldn't expect someone to just start losing muscle especially most people because most people are not at a low enough level of body fat where it would be a guess smart decision by the body if you will to just dig into your muscle instead of using the body fat that's readily available for energy um so that that's going to be like the first port of call as opposed to just going straight to your muscles and catabolizing them now does that mean that that's always the case absolutely not you know if you're not eating enough protein if you reduce your resistance training significantly um, if you've got lots of psychological stress and insufficient sleep all of those things are going to drive up the chance of you potentially losing some muscle. Like you do see that in terms of when people diet um, on consistent energy deficits and they're in a sleep deprived group versus a group getting sufficient sleep, you see different ratios of muscle to fat loss with more uh, muscle loss in the group that don't sleep enough. So you can see how these different lifestyle behaviors might interact. But again, it's not so clear as to what the role of resistance training might be in kind of changing that. And we definitely don't have like enough evidence to know exactly like what we should expect. So what I would be saying is that, right, get your protein in, you know, if you normally eat 1.6 grams per kilo of body weight, let's say when you're, when you're bulking or gaining weight, which is sufficient, then I would probably bump it up to above two grams per kilogram of body weight when you're in a diet, especially in a more aggressive diet. I would kind of want to be above that just to give yourself that extra potential for anabolism so that you're kind of shifting that, you know, imbalance in favor of you gaining or maintaining muscle mass. Um, and the other thing is then. Yeah, just just on that as well. There's two, well, two yeah. things. And re resistance training is a, a broad term. So that's again, it's like, what, what yeah. does that actually look like? Are we talking about like excessive volume are you, like if you're doing fucking 30 sets per workout and you're in a, an aggressive calorie deficit i would probably expect to see a performance decrease you just you know you don't have the energy well the freely available energy to sustain that and then also you know that's probably a net catabolic stimulus you know because you've got so much protein or muscle breakdown that you know it's it's hard to recover from that with a deficit of energy you know so when we say resistance training we're talking about 
quote unquote good resistance training practices, you know, which is, which is unfortunately not, you know, uh, <laughs> standardized across the board. Right. And then on that, the, the protein intake as well, like there's loads of studies that, especially if you use like uh, better methods, like indicator amino acid oxidation, uh, there's better better methods and you can see that like if you want to have a a 95 percent confidence interval you know that you're like okay well for a general population and you want to be like 95 percent confident that giving this recommendation you know is going to help 99 95 out of 100 people uh if you set your protein at somewhere in the range of well if you set your protein at 2.2 grams per kg for resistance training population you've hit, you, you're, you're bang on, right? And that's generally, they, they, they actually say that even though you're saying like 1.6 is sufficient, like generally that would be sufficient. Personally, I would be like, that's going to be a less of a confidence interval for people, especially if they're resistance training. And I would rather see that over two. Again, we're talking about maintenance and dieting anyway. Uh, yeah. And then if you're doing a lot of uh, endurance exercise as well, like that goes up to like 2.7 grams per kg, you know, for a 95% confidence interval, which is kind of counter to what people think. They're like, oh, resistance training, I need more protein in, you know? And it's like, okay, well, that's true. But also you need more protein in if you're doing endurance activities as well, you know? Because again, like people forget that you get a load of mitochondrial biogenesis. And that's, that's the adaptations you're getting from cardiovascular work. I was like, that also requires protein, right? And also you're probably burning through a little bit more protein. You know, it's converting to, you're burning through your muscles, converting to alanine to then glucose. Uh, so you probably want to be eating a little bit more <coughs> uh, protein then in that case, you know? So again, all of this stuff is like context specific to like what you're doing, where you are. Like if you're like, personally for me, like I resistance train four times per week and I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu four times per week. And then sometimes on the weekend, I might go in and hit the heavy bag for like a, a, an hour or so, you know? And for me, like I know, or I, I, I can't say I know, I noticed that if I have my protein below that kind of 2.2, I start feeling it. I feel like I'm not as strong. I feel like that, again, could be that kind of, uh, inherent mental kind of thing that I'm going, oh, my protein's lower, my strength is going to be down, whatever else. But I know for me, like keeping it over that 2.2, like for me, I usually keep it around 2.4 to 2.5, roughly thereabouts. Uh, for me, I feel much better, you know? So again, like this goes, goes to the diet setup or whatever else. And this is why generally as a recommendation, like I always just say two to three grams per kg is a good recommendation. But like you said, Gary, like, technically speaking you're probably sufficient around 1.6 to 1.8 grams however i just don't like people to be on that because not that confident yeah and i suppose like the the thing that i said about like being at that sufficient point that's also in the context of an energy surplus so you are eating above the level that is required Mm. for you to maintain your body weight so you're actually gaining weight um and hence you 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 you'd be more confident with a slightly lower level of protein than you would be in the context of an energy deficit. And that also brings us to a point that you kind of raised in terms of um, actual like lean body mass loss. Like sometimes we have a kind of a fall, a misconception when it comes to how much muscle mass is actually lost during dieting studies. And, and people see this themselves, like when they do like DEXA transformations, you'll see some of them on YouTube. 
what you see is like that people lose X amount of lean body mass when they get a DEXA scan, but lean body mass is not like just muscle. Like there's, you know, there's water loss in that there's glycogen loss in that. And there's even a non fat component of adipose tissue, like, because correct me if I'm wrong, Patty, but like adipose tissue is, is stored as, you know, triglycerides three that mean, and that means that there's a three fatty acids and then there's one glycerol molecule, which is essentially, you know, a type of carbohydrate. Is that correct? You're not wrong. Yes more close <laughs> close enough for for our audience um but yeah so basically like when when you're losing body fat you're not just actually losing fat and hence some of that is also going to be reflected as <clears throat> um lean body mass when you lose it um so, so all of those things kind of come together and go ahead and, and also with that as well like there is also like vascularization of your fat which people kind of just forget about as well because like they just look at fat as this inert thing, but it's like your body has to get the, the, the fats to store them in those fat cells. It has to get them to it, you know? So it's like that there has to be some sort of vascular system or some sort of system that delivers it to that. So if you lose all that fat, that's also going to shrink, you know? So you lose that as well. Like, and again, people kind of forget that your, your veins are reshaping all the time you know <laughs> um, but yeah you do lose more lean body mass regardless like you're going to lose some like the, the people with the highest levels of lean body mass are sumo wrestlers like i always put that yeah. out yeah and like that just that just goes to show you like that that you know they, they've just got all those veins in that fat man <laughs> yeah but no it's not just that um but but you know that was one of the things that baffles some people is there is that they're like oh you know if sumo wrestlers have the highest level of lean body mass then if i want to make them muscle gains then i'm just gonna get fat as fuck bro um when in fact like that's not exactly the best strategy because you're not just seeing muscle um so yeah th that's that's just something to i guess have you on your radar um more or less because you know you might come across a study that's been run and in relation to resistance training in the context of dieting and you see that they've lost x amount of muscle mass and then you're like oh man i don't want to lose that muscle um so i would always be I guess, conservative in interpreting those studies. And I would be optimistic about it in that, like, if someone lost, like, I don't know what they lost a kilo of lean body mass, I'd be like, all right, who cares? Like, that's not a big deal. And then, you know, that also comes up in, in the context of like how your actual diet is set up. Like you see that in like ketogenic or low carbohydrate diet studies, um, where you kind of get, I guess, misinterpretations of how much weight has been lost or how much lean body mass has been lost because there's just differences in, you know, carbohydrate storage and intramuscular, intramuscular triglyceride storage and all these sort of other things that go into um, looking at, at what is going on within the body's tissue. So it's just a little bit more complicated. But yeah. Which also goes the opposite way as well. Like you can literally just do, like I could be like, oh, I've got the, the perfect diet, you know, <laughs> and I can literally just measure someone, like, like it packs on muscle so easy. And I could literally just measure someone, DEXA scan them, but have them deplete their, literally like go proper, like protein sparing, modified fast, literally basically only eat protein and veggies for a week you know maybe even two weeks and literally have them do a DEXA scan at the end of that right and they'd be like oh man depleted their x amount of lean body mass and literally all i do for two days just load them up with fuck i don't know 10 to 12 grams per kilo of uh, carbohydrates per day yeah. for, the, for those two days you know and then get them to do a DEXA scan and it's like oh man again five kilos of lean body mass in two days you know it's like okay you, you didn't really you just gain a load of water and a load of glycogen you know you basically just filled your muscles back up you know so it's like 
it, it's it's deceptive when, when you do it so you have to take the whole context of the diet into account when you're looking at these things but anyway go on gary yeah um so so that that the your initial question that kind of started off this this segment was should someone expect to lose muscle um and i would i would just be saying no while putting in the caveat that it might happen depending on what your practices are currently like you know you could be an 80 year old listening to this who is more anabolically anabolically resistant and our protein recommendations might even change again um so so it, it just depends on your actual individual case but you should be looking to just as we said you know tick as many of the boxes as you can you know get enough sleep eat enough protein and keep training as normal and that kind of comes back to the point you made about resistance training you see this all the time in bodybuilders they'll go from doing like let's say they normally do 15 sets per muscle group per week um it's like this kind of progressive approach where they're training you know lots in the six to ten rep range they've got a little bit of strength work in there and then they go to do their contest prep and what they do is they start doing like 10 sets of 10 and like six sets of 15 and all this all this sort of crazy stuff and rapidly increasing their training volume and it just doesn't make a whole pile of sense in the context of um, an energy deficit. And that's not to say that you shouldn't keep training hard. You absolutely should. Um, and and I, I, I would encourage people to keep trying to get stronger. And I wouldn't just, I wouldn't be of the, of the mindset that you need to drop off training volume either um, when you're dieting. I think you should try and maintain it and train as normal um, as much as is possible anyway. Because again, like recovery and fatigue are kind of complex phenomena that aren't just dependent on the energy that you intake. So tick all those boxes. Um, it could be the case that you could even do more training volume in a bit of a deficit if you were to sleep more. Um, so so it just it just depends. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect to people to be losing too much muscle. Hundred percent. I also would be of the same opinion. Like every single time I've dieted, I've gotten stronger, uh, or yep. at least not lost strength. Like my deadlift is the only one that I know consistently does not progress while I diet. Mine gets stronger. It's yeah. weird. My squat, my squat my, suffers. No, my squat, my squat gets stronger. Uh, <laughs> but my deadlift, not so much. I think it's just because I have the like a little bit of a foot and power belly that maybe helps the the deadlift a bit more than my squat because yeah. my my knee, like my, my stomach, doesn't touch my thighs in a in a squat, whereas it does in a deadlift for me anyway. Um, you know yourself, but anyway, so. That like I I just go in with the expectation that I'm still focusing on performance, I'm improving performance, like especially the cardiovascular stuff, and that seems to hugely improve in in a diet. So get those gains anyway. Uh, yeah, it's unreal. Like you're you're down to like what a fucking thirty resting heart right now. <laughs> yeah, there's been days where I've hit thirty, but my average is like forty, which which has the lowest lowest risk of all cause mortality. Um, that's something we must do a podcast on actually because like i was i was talking to someone about this recently and like some people say that you know oh you know once you're in 60 to 70 resting heart rate range there's no additional benefits and i used to kind of be like all right that's kind of fair enough but i was reading into it and it's like wait you actually see consistent decreases as far as like 40 beats per minute why why isn't anyone talking about this <laughs> you know yeah i think i think for like for most people it's the 40 to, 40 to 60 is a good place to be yeah. at you know but again, like that's obviously not completely true. Yeah, you because you have to look at the, the behaviors that contribute to that as well, obviously, which is yeah, a different yeah. story. That's why I always just say I'm like 60. If you can get below 60, happy days. Yeah. 
if you if you start going below 30 probably you're not gonna die so. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah do you have anything else to add on the the aggressive dieting things i think that covered a lot yeah like the only other thing i think would probably just be just because you talked about it is that like if you're gonna add in cardio like i would probably do it with that mindset of you know what i actually want to get fitter um because it'll actually improve your ability to decide what cardio you should do um because i think some people just start adding in cardio just kind of in a really just silly manner that just beats them up and that's really not enjoyable and that just makes the experience overall more negative so like we always start with our clients you know in terms of trying to get their steps up per day like can you do that like that's fantastic like that makes it much easier to start off with um with slightly you know higher calories that would still be considered aggressive i guess you could say because because that's something we didn't really touch on is like the practicalities or impracticalities of aggressive dieting for i guess people that are really small and or inactive because let's say you are a 50 kilo person who is works a desk job and takes 3000 steps per day like aggressive dieting for you is going to be really hard because you're making like 600 600 yeah, calories like <laughs> because your maintenance could be like a thousand to twelve hundred per day let's say like and if you're if you're down in that range like what are you gonna do like cut your calories in half and eat five to six hundred calories a day and like th- that that to me but there's a certain level of calories below which it becomes imp- actually impractical like again sort of psychosocially you could say in that like for me, let's say I can eat around that 1800 mark, which is really low for me because I would normally maintain at, let's say, 3000 to 3500, depending on what body weight I'm at. So that's pretty low for me. But at the same time, it's still a very practical level of calories because it means that if I eat three meals per day, there's still 600 calories. You know, you can make them pretty substantial meals if you, you know, eat meats and veggies and, you know, even just fruit and yogurts and it's it's actually really practical to eat a diet like that but if you're eating like six to nine hundred calories a day it starts to become impractical regardless of the relative energy deficit it's like like what are you gonna do have three meals at 200 calories like like what's that gonna look like and that's what you have to think about like practically what does this look like on paper or in real life um, because I think yeah, that's... and it's the same 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 for like me in this position that I'm in. Like like obviously I'm in in college and stuff, and I also like having like a period of time, like like I was saying to you earlier on, like that nine to six period of time. Yeah. Like I just I like working during that time. Like boom, I can knock it out. Like so I I train before that. I like resistance train in the morning, and then I do like jits in the evening. You know, and and for me, like if I was to do like I know you sometimes do like some intermittent fasting and stuff to to help you stay within that like calorie level. Like yeah. I don't like training. Like I don't like resistance training, not having a somewhat full stomach. Yeah. You know, like I I don't like it. Like I don't feel good. I don't like I I I kind of focus a bit too much on the hunger rather than like progressing. You know. So I know that for me. So for me, that like if I did, if I was to do a more aggressive diet, like you're suggesting, like again, like I'm kind of in that three thousand to three thousand five hundred range for my maintenance. Uh, so if I was to do that and go eighteen hundred, like the fact that I get up at five a.m. and the fact that I'm going to bed at like ten, you know, my day is very long, and I also have that book ended by two. Well, not all the days, but most of my days. Uh, 
are bookended by training sessions. Like to yeah. spread my calories out through the whole day on 1800, like that's not four meals per day that I'd have to get in. That'd be like five, maybe six meals per day that I'd have to get in. So for me, that becomes impractical because then all those meals become very, very small, you know? Whereas I, I like eating bigger meals, you know? So for me, I'm like, given my situation, given all the stuff that I have going on, I'm like, I actually would would prefer to diet if I was to diet on higher calories and do it slower, you know? Again, yeah, and, and like the practical aspects, yeah. Yeah, and like that is that is important because I actually I, I also train I also train in the morning. So I I get up around a similar time, around half four. And basically what I do is I go to the gym then at like seven and then I eat after that. And for me, like it doesn't affect my performance. I don't I don't think too much about it. But at the same time, at other points in the past, it would have affected me. So like, it's like these aren't static things. So right now it doesn't affect my performance too much. I'm happy to train fasted. And then that means that I can eat at whatever time it is, like half eight. And again, like I'm in college or placement, whatever you want to call it. Um, from that kind of, I guess, eight to half eight until five, we'll say four or five. Um, so like that, I, I have those three meals at half eight, um, let's say around one o'clock and then around six o'clock i'll try and have a little bit later like i try and have it at about six if i can because if i have it at like four i'm kind of hungry going to bed so i go to bed then half eight or nine um but yeah like like there, there has to be some way that you can actually make that quite practical um for you because otherwise like like what are you gonna do have like five meals of 200 calories like <laughs> what's that gonna look like <laughs> exactly like here's a few leaves and one piece of fucking meat half like. a piece of chicken <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if we have anything else to cover with that. Basically, to summarize it, most people shouldn't aggressive diet. For most people, it's inappropriate. If you are thinking about maybe aggressively dieting because you know summer's coming up, you want to lose a few lbs. Uh, you should have all of your basics of nutrition in place. You should have a good relationship with food. You should probably not have a history of disordered eating like if you think at the end of this aggressive diet you're going to binge eat then it probably isn't worth your while doing it and um, if you are considering aggressive dieting then again you should have all the boxes ticked you should be thinking of it practically in terms of how is your training set up what are you actually trying to achieve with your training you know is it appropriate for you as an individual um like I've seen people like aggressive diet before like fights and stuff. And it's like, you're probably going to have shit performance if, you know, versus the person who is like, yeah, I walk around at this weight, you know, and then you're going, Oh, I'm going to diet four weeks and I'm going to lose fucking seven kilos to fit my weight class. I'm like, that's, that's probably not the best approach for that. You know? And um, again, counter to that though, is if you're going into that, aggressive diet you shouldn't expect to lose muscle you shouldn't expect to lose performance and you should still go into it with the mindset that i'm going to try improve my performance as i go about this you know and however that doesn't mean that you aren't going to lose some maybe top end strength or what you're probably more likely to lose is repetition strength you know like you you might be like kind of relying which i think a lot of people do relying on uh the calories to get them through uh reps 
<laughs> if that makes sense. Like they, they rely on that free availability of, you know, substrates to kind of help them get more reps. And this is again, like you see people, as soon as they diet, they're like, oh, I was doing this weight for 12 reps and it just dropped down to like eight reps. And it's like, yeah, it's because you actually have to like push a little bit harder to get those those last few reps because you don't have fucking 300 grams of carbohydrates floating around your bloodstream waiting <laughs> waiting for you to exercise you know um but again you shouldn't go into the into the training session with that expectation that you're going to lose strength even even though i'm saying that it might be a reality you should still be going in with the thought process i'm going here to progress i'm coming here to keep moving forward with my resistance training with my cardiovascular training with your sport whatever it is you know is there anything else you'd add to that gary um i would say no um i think just for again kind of reiterating a point but you know so you're, some people are going to listen to this and be like oh yeah the triage guys endorse like aggressively dieting so i'm going to go on one of these like thousand calorie day fad diets because triage said so it's like no that's not what we're saying Hadi's made it very clear that you know most people might be suited to this and on, on a podcast where we're speaking to a, a large group of people, we're always going to be more conservative than we might be on an individual basis as well. So, I mean, like, if you are, are that type of person that's like, oh, you know, I actually would like to try this approach, give it a shot, but maybe I want some guidance. Then again, that's something you can potentially work with us on in, in terms of our coaching service, if you are interested. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think working with a coach is something that can be useful in these cases um, because some sometimes people just are really poor at assessing what, what they should be experiencing during a certain process. Like so many people will message us. Like we see it in our, our Facebook group even where people will be like, oh, I've just been dieting for two weeks and I've lost two kilos. Is that too much? Oh my God, what should I change? Do I need a refeed? Uh, what are we going to do? Um, and sometimes it can be good to, to kind of have that, I guess, reassurance. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's fat loss it's not that serious you know there's no one perfect way you have to find a way that you can sustain a calorie deficit for a sufficient period of time for you to be able to lose a sufficient amount of weight for whatever reason so um don't overthink it there are literally a million ways to do it that's very fair and i suppose at this point we should say if you do want help you can get coaching you can get group coaching you can if you're like, oh, I don't want to have to spend money on that. I don't want to engage in either of those services. However, I wouldn't mind getting a little helping hand. You can always email us. You can always message us on Instagram. Yep. Like we do, well, I've started again, but we do weekly Q&As. So you can gleam information there. Uh, you know, you can interact with us. Instagram is probably the best place to interact in terms of asking us questions or whatever else. But if you're looking to get a nuanced, very specific answer, maybe email. It's probably easier. Uh, or engage with the, yeah, join, join the militia. That's what I was going to say. Engage with the, the militia. Maybe you're like, oh, like I don't really care about the, the knowledge stuff. I just want to know what I should do in terms of my plan of action. Then, you know, we do offer consults as well, even though we never really push that. Um, so you could literally go in, oh, I book in for an hour and we'll fucking do it over Skype. And we'll be like, yeah, this, this, let's see how you should set things up, you know? Um, but yeah, there's again, greasy salesman pitch. Join our services, engage with them. They're all on the website, they're all linked in the description here. Um, 
what more can I say? However, if you're still like, ah, don't care about those, literally just like listening to you two fucking shitheads shit on, uh, give us a five-star review. Tell your friends, tell your family to listen to us. Because I literally like, I, I put up a picture of like just before this, I was like, oh, uh, podcast time with Mr. Skinny Gaz. And two people asked me like, where can I find your podcast? You know, it's like, you, you might think we share it every week literally <laughs> you might think that people know people are coming to this new all the time so again like you might be yeah. enjoying this you might be getting a lot from this but it actually does really help us if you give a review like i honestly don't care if it's a one-star review and you're like look i don't really like it they talk too much about x y and z whatever the fuck i honestly don't care i'd actually rather improve the service by getting that but obviously if you can that five-star review does help you know um and also, probably the thing that helps the most is telling your friends and family, telling people that you're like, you would actually get a lot from this, you know, sharing it on your share it, share it on your Instagram story. Exactly. Sharing it on your Instagram story. Tell everyone about it. Like, it, it, it seems like nothing, but it actually does help a lot. And like, obviously, we do enjoy giving out this information because otherwise it's just rattling around in our heads, you know? Uh, so it's yeah. like, well, we might as well discuss stuff that helps you guys which also brings me to the next thing is we do have a form you can fill in if you want specific topics covered you know so you can literally be like okay i see you've talked about this again it's linked in the description where you can go okay cool i see you've talked about this i wouldn't mind you talking about x y and z and you know maybe it isn't a full podcast episode or something that we could we would be talking about uh fully but we will be bringing back those uh smaller episodes so it's kind of more question answer episodes where it's like here's a topic here's an article to accompany it and there you go you know uh so it might be one for that if it's not that and it's again more specific we can obviously just email you back and sort something out then talk you through it whatever the fuck it is you know and um, so yeah basically engage with the services we also have loads of free services that you can also engage with so that's not to say that you have to spend money to engage with these services. Um, sign up to our email that's list. That's what I was going to say next as well. We also have an email list. So again, sign up to that. Gary spends ages tailoring that. Yeah, but the the, week, the weekly newsletter that we've been kind of doing this year is definitely something I would recommend you, you avail of. Like, even if you want to ignore most of our emails, we send out an email every Sunday or sometimes Monday morning where we basically review everything that we've posted throughout the week. Um, so if you've missed anything, you can get it there in one email. That also includes like excerpts from our private content on the militia. So we try and pick like maybe a few paragraphs that we think are real useful from the articles we've written. And we'll share those out there as well. And we also link in like stories from our clients and even like other recommended resources. So if you're interested in who like who we might be listening to, what we might be reading, we also kind of link in some books, some articles, some pod some other podcasts at the end uh, of that newsletter. So if you want to really start to level things up and engage with other services that we might recommend, then that would really be the place Again, to go. It's in the description. <laughs> in the description. Link in bio. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say, Gary, except that it is in fact too easy. Too easy. <laughs>